Welcome to Built to Solve, where we highlight fast-growing technology startups and discuss how they got started, how they are scaling, and how they are solving today's most challenging business problems. Hello and welcome to another episode of Built to Solve. Uh, today, I'm super excited to be with Tony Sternberg from ProsperStack, founder and CEO. Hello, Tony. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great today, Parsa. How are you? Great. Thank you. Um, please give us a quick high-level background on you and what led to you creating ProsperStack. Yeah, yeah, happy to dig into that a little bit. Um, yeah, so for my background, I spent most of my professional career in B2B SaaS. Um, it was really my first position out of, out of college, and I spent the first decade um, at a bootstrapped uh, B2B SaaS company in the HR tech space. And, you know, that's really where um, the idea for ProsperStack came about for myself and my co-founder. Um, you know, at that company, we used a very like product-led model. So pretty hands-off with our customers. They would come into the website, you know, try out the product. If they wanted to buy it, they put their credit card in. They didn't necessarily have to talk to us. Um, so we found that it was just, what's great about that is it's really easy to sign up or it's really easy to get customers. But sort of the issue we had was that on the flip side of things, it was really easy for them to cancel. We didn't have a lot of insight as to why they, they canceled and never really tried to do anything about it. So the idea for Prosper Stack was that was kind of our light bulb uh, moment and thought that, you know, if there's customers like us that exist out there that are having those same problems, you know, some sort of dedicated voluntary turn, turn solution like Prosper Stack um, would help. So that's that's kind of where the, the idea came from. Oh, really cool. So at a high level, uh, what does Prosper Stack do and who do you serve? <laughs> Yeah, so Prosper Stack at its core automates um, retention for subscription companies, specifically at the point of cancellation. So our typical customer will look like a high volume, you know, moderate price point uh, subscription offering that really requires automation in every facet of the customer lifecycle because they're not charging, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per month per account, and they can't justify having, you know, one-on-one -on -one sort of relationships or um, having human capital kind of attend to every one of their cancellations at their volume. So when I say, you know, high volume, you know, it's usually in the hundreds to the thousands of cancellations per month. And when I say moderate price point, it's usually, you know, sub $100 per month type customer, though there are of course exceptions to that rule. Okay, very cool. And what kind mm -hmm. of results um, are you typically seeing? Yeah, it, it definitely varies by industry. Um, so we serve, you know, SaaS industry really well, um, the digital kind of media industry. So think of like publishing companies or digital online magazines or newspapers, and then also the box companies. So depending on the end user being like a pure consumer, maybe a small business, you'll have a varying result. But um, up to 40% reduction in um, churn at the point of cancellation is, is sort of the high end of what to expect. Um, that's, that's pretty good. Um, what kind of let... So as, as far as um, lessons go, do you have a few that you can share with our audience? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely learned a bunch, you know, since founding the company and, and being, you know, a startup founder. Um, you know, I think, you know, as we started, you know, getting some traction and figuring things out from, you know, a product standpoint, a little bit of go-to-market standpoint, and we're still searching for, you know, the magical answers to everything. Don't, don't get me wrong. We haven't figured it all out. But, you know, we got to a point where we were able to scale up the team a little bit. So I think, you know, as an early startup founder, you're going to have a ton of things on your plate. And as you scale, it's only going to get more and more. So when you bring on team members, I think it's really important to learn to delegate um, responsibility. The thing that you used to be in control of is no longer necessarily your baby. You know, you've got to let the people that you bring in and that you believe in, trust them to 
um, you know, execute and do their jobs that you brought them there for. So I think that's that's a big thing. And then just coming from a bootstrap background, I didn't have as much emphasis on these kind of things. But now that we've taken a little bit of a funding path, um, I think staying on top of your numbers is, is really core. So just kind of your key, you know, business metrics, um, you know, financial, you know, modeling, um, reporting on things like churn and just being really in tune with those kind of KPIs that you have at your organization um, is really important because, you know, it's whether you want to fundraise or not, it's just it's going to help you better project your business. And if you do want to fundraise, it's just going to put you in a better spot to um, be in front of investors and show that you kind of have everything organized. And these are the things that they're going to want to see. Okay, cool. Um, so at what, what stage would you say you're at at this point? Yeah, I would say we're a seed stage company. So, um, you know, we've we've been around for a couple of years and and um, are you know really looking to solidify that product market fit. Okay, very cool. Um, so as far as growth goes, um, initially, uh, how did that look like for Prosper Stack? Yeah, yeah. So our timeline started in the summer of 2020. So kind of right after COVID was hitting, that's where we already had everything kind of in motion. So, you know, while everyone was at home, we were probably going to be home anyway. So I guess it kind of worked out from that perspective. But um, we launched our MVP in the summer of 20. You know, at that point, we learned a lot. We got a couple initial customers, um, got a lot of early feedback on our product and realized we made some incorrect assumptions. So we kind of went you know, I wouldn't say it was a 180 or anything like that, but you know, we had to like go back to the drawing board a little bit, tweak some things, and kind of relaunched our product in that that fall of 2020 into more of a, a version of what the product is today. You know, at its basic level. Um, so that got us to a point with a little revenue where we were able to raise a pre-seed round. You know, a fairly small round, but it brought got us to bring on a couple additional additional people in sales and help scale a little bit of the that process that we that we had built. Um, in 2021, we, we grew about 30% month over month. So we had nice solid growth. Um, and then with that, you know, kind of a year of sustained, sustained success, we, we did raise a seed round of $2 million this last fall. Um, we brought the team from five to 12 at that point. And, you know, at that, at that point, you know, our, our ARRs were, you know, over 400,000 and, and continue to grow from there. Okay. Very cool. Um, so currently what's your growth levers or, um, what's the, what what have you planned for um for your growth yeah um so a, a bit of it has been kind of an expansion of what brought us to market in the first place you know um it, we found that initially it was it was an area that needed a little bit of education that there was a solution out there there are some competitors not, i wouldn't say there's a ton compared to other industries but so uh, i think educating the market was important and we've tried to reflect that into our marketing strategy so part of our seed raise we were able to bring on ahead of marketing and invest more into content marketing and SEO to really drive inbound traffic uh, to a better degree. So we're investing you know, a lot more in that and then um, looking at to, to grow the partnerships um, that we've established over the years. So at a, just to kind of get back to the product a little bit, a big part of what we do is basically give our customers a low code or no code solution in order to reduce their churn. So you know, they don't have time to build these kind of things. They, they need their engineering resources you know, to work on their core product. So when you integrate Prosper Stack, we also integrate with your billing platform. So whether you're using Stripe or Chargebee, or if you're on the e-com side and it's Recharge Bold or you know, all the other options out there, um, you know, we integrate with them directly. So you know, making sure that we devote the time to the partnerships so that they're aware of our solution and they can bring it to their customers when, it's, um, when it makes sense doing reviews or whatnot, we'll be able to grow additionally through those channels. So those are a couple areas that we're now investing in. Okay, very to make it work, you need to get everyone on board then basically. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what's <clears throat> yeah, I think what's interesting is you know we tend to work with a lot of at least initially um, customer success leaders, growth leaders that, that are sort of kind of our intro into a company. But once they're using Prosper Stack, there's other departments that find the data extremely valuable. So, you know, imagine the feedback you're getting um, as a product person, and you're you're realizing you're able to correlate with our reports. You know that I'm losing this much business for this reason. Well, now you can go and actually justify your roadmap and and say we've actually lost this much business from there, and that translates into marketing when we we're able to overcome some of those maybe product challenges. Or you know, try to dive into you know what kind of customers we're losing. Maybe they're marketing in the wrong channel that have a higher churn point. Or now that the product team has you know created a roadmap, um, fixed a few of the you know quote unquote issues that they might have had. Now we can arm ourselves with a better win back campaign to say, hey, so and so, you know, you recently left us because of of this particular reason. We wanted to let you know that we've actually just our brand new release has this covered, and, and we'll invite you back with this sort of promotion to um to try things out again so there's a lot of different departments that we can permeate once we're once we're working with a customer well it sounds excellent um these days everybody seems to be talking about chat gpt and generative ai um how is it how is this affecting you for current and future plans yeah i i 100 agree with you you really can't go anywhere these days um without talking about chat gpt or anything else ai related you know, if you're in tech and your friends know you're in tech, they're now asking you every day about, hey, have you played around with this or we're done this yet? So, you know, I think as we approach it, we we look at it as a game changer, right? Like, I think it's here to stay. It's going to absolutely do some amazing things in the software world. Um, you know, we're trying to make sure that we apply it in a practical way. We're not going to just say we have AI for the sake of having AI. We want the solution to be, you know, real and effective and authentic. Um, so to that end, I think, you know, down the road, we certainly envision, um, you know, AI related features, you know, coming into our software, but really all of subscription software, I think you can apply it to other things. I think from our use case, you know, I think we can look down the future and say, we're going to have a really interesting data set that's going to have a lot of information around, you know, consumers and, and small businesses and their likelihood to, um, accept certain offers based on price points and customer longevity and all kinds of interesting data points. And you know, pipe dream. I think down the line, you know, around this would be to be able to put sort of Prosper Stack on autopilot. You know, we could create cancellation flows for you. We could try different offers and and um, copy and things like that in more of an automated fashion to to uh, take even more of that of that off of you know someone's plate, so we can drive even more value to our customers. But I think those would be some interesting ways to apply things. And you know, whether that's in the next six months or a year or a couple of years, you know, we'll see. All right, awesome. Where can people learn more about ProsperStack and you? Yeah, yeah. We um, Our website is prosperstack.com, and you can find us on um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all at, uh, at ProsperStack. So you know, feel free to check us out. If you want to learn any more, mention you, you heard us on here, and we'd be happy to chat. Awesome. Thank you, Tony, and all the best to you and your team. Thank you. You too, Parsa. You can find additional information and links to the websites of the companies mentioned today in the show notes of this podcast episode. This episode has been brought to you by Lead Maximus, where we help B2B tech startups and established brands connect with ideal customers faster and more profitably using omnichannel paid ads. You can learn more at leadmaximus.com.